Hello. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We hope that you will be encouraged and it builds your faith. Thanks for listening. Praise the Lord. So be praying for them. And uh, uh, praise the Lord. That means that God's going to do something greater when they do go. Because how many know the devil, when he, when he interrupts something, he has to pay restitution. And uh, he has to recompense. And so we're looking forward to the greater good that's going to happen. We know God's going to do good things. If you have your copy of God's Word this morning, if you'll turn to the book of 1 Peter chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to kind of finish what I began on Thursday night. And on Thursday nights, we've been in this study on the priesthood and on the priesthood of the believer. And we've been talking about uh, walking in the priesthood. What does it mean to be a king and a priest? Revelation 1-7 says that we are king and priest unto our God. The scripture also tells us that we are part of a royal priesthood. And that uh, we, God, Jesus paid the price so that we could walk out dominion in our life, that we can be victors and live a life of an overcomer. And so, but the scripture uh, defines us as, as uh, kings and priests unto God. And I want to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. Peter begins to describe this and begins to break down what does it mean to really be a part of the priesthood? What does it mean to be a believer that's a part of the priesthood? And so I'm not going to go back and repeat everything I preached on Thursday, but I do need to lay just a tiny bit of foundation so that we can move forward. There is a place I want to go this morning, and I've given myself 30 minutes uh, to explain this to you because I want to pray for some people this morning and activate uh, this word that is in my spirit. In 2 Peter chapter, 1 Peter chapter 2, and beginning in verse 4, the Bible says, coming to him... Uh, as to living stones, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God and precious. Peter calls us living stones. Paul calls us living stones. And uh, how many know that Christ in us is what gives us life? And Peter describes it by saying we're rejected by men, but uh, we are chosen by God Not only chosen by God, but precious to God. How many are thankful that you're chosen and precious in the eyes of God? Then he begins to explain this priesthood uh, in verse 5. You also, living stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Now as we look... At this passage of scripture, Peter here is referring to an Old Testament principle of the tabernacle of Moses, and, uh, and what he is saying is, is that uh, what I have been preaching the last couple of weeks, that many times we interpret what God's principles in the New Testament are by looking back to the Old. In the Old Testament, we see the natural reality of God's work but it becomes a spiritual reality in our life in the New Testament. So what you see in the old is a type and shadow of what God wants to do in the new. So to understand what it is to be a priest in the New Testament and in New Testament context, we have to understand what the priesthood was in the Old Testament. So what was in the natural can be transferred into the spiritual. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15... Paul says, first comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. So it's a spiritual principle in the scripture. That's why we call the Bible one book. There's just not the Old Testament and the New Testament. It is one book. It is God's story all the way through. And it's relevant to us. Some people say, well, I, you know, I don't, the Old Testament, that's, 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 you know, that's back there. It's not relevant today. I want to tell you, The moral law of God and the governing law of God that comes through today is the same as it was in the Old Testament. Though the practices and sacrifices and the way we approach God has changed, but God's not changed. And so God's moral law comes through the Old Testament and into the New also. 
That's why when we deal with certain things in our culture, they say, well, that's only an Old Testament scripture. Well, if it's in reference to God's moral law, it does not have boundaries. Because God's the same yesterday, today, and forever when it comes to his attributes and who he is and the nature of who he is. And so God never changes. But we see the picture of this priesthood as we look at the tabernacle, Moses' tabernacle of the Old Testament. Here we read in the scripture that there is three areas that Peter talks about. He says that being living stones built into what? He said we're built into a spiritual house. That you have a spiritual house. Your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, that Paul says. Just as there was an Old Testament temple and there were requirements in that Old Testament temple, so do you and I have a temple that we're responsible for, and we're responsible for this temple, and God has designed us that he may be housed inside of us, that his Holy Spirit may come and live on the inside of us. How many are glad you've got God living on the inside of you? And so we're a spiritual temple. Just like the old temple, when the pattern was right, when the priesthood did what they were supposed to do, the Spirit of God would come and it would dwell in the Holy of Holies. But it did not come unless the priesthood would operate with obedience in their actions and all that they did. Because God would not show up if the priesthood did not walk in the obedience of what the law had required them to do. But the Bible tells us, thank you, Jesus, we have a better covenant. We don't live under the law. How many are thankful for that? Because some of you would have missing fingers. Some of your eyeballs would be plucked out. Some of y'all be walking on one leg. Y'all hear what I'm saying? And maybe some of us would not even be here because there were certain sins that required death. But thank God I live in a grace filled hour that God has filled us with the mercy of God. How many are thankful? Thank God for his mercy. If you only knew the requirements of the Old Testament. And so there was a pattern there. There's the temple, there's the priesthood, and then there's the mention of sacrifices. In other words, being living stones, the tabernacle of Moses, we have to understand that that tabernacle Everything that focused on that tabernacle had to do with sacrifice. Without the need for sacrifice, there would be no temple. Without the need for sacrifice, there would be no priest. Everything surrounded the sacrifice in the Old Testament. Everything was built for the sacrifice. Everything was managed for the sacrifice. Everything was developed for the sacrifice. And as we, as living stones, this is our temple and the Holy Spirit living in us, the purpose of our lives is to offer sacrifices unto God through our lives. The purpose of living for God is to offer sacrifice, to live our life in a sacrificial way. How many know the Bible says that you are not your own, but you belong to God? (laughs) Y'all listen to me. The Bible says we're not our own. We belong to him. Why? Because we were purchased with a price. The blood of Jesus made it very clear. Jesus redeemed us and purchased us from sin. And because he purchased us, when we receive him in our heart, we are no longer belong to ourselves. We belong to Christ Jesus because he purchased us with his blood. Ha ha. So you can't look at God and shake your finger and say, this is my body. Don't tell me what to do with it. (laughs) I'm not going political, believe me. But that's the day. That's the hour. Men want to do what men want to do because they want to do it. But I'm here to tell you that as a living stone, as a spiritual house, we don't always get to do what we want to do. We do what the Bible requires us to do, and we do what it takes so that this temple can be purified, that this temple can have the housing of the Holy Spirit living on the inside of it, and in order to do that, we've got to make sure this temple is clean. (laughs) Y'all with me? 
Because God would never show up in a defiled temple. His presence would never show up in a defiled temple. But thank God for the graces of God. The sacrificial the sac- the sac- so we have to understand, in order to understand how we walk out our Christian life, we've got to understand what sacrifices are. What does that mean? What does it mean to offer sacrifices in your life? Well, we have to look at the old in order to understand the new. We thank God for that. And we thank God that we, when we understand these sacrifices, listen, if we get a hold of what it means to treat this temple the way God has asked us to treat this temple. If we get a hold of what it means to be a priest and a king before God, what it means to walk in the priesthood, I'm here to tell you, I believe the fire of God, just as it fell on the old temple when God would show up, that the fire of God would fall on us. Why? Because if the pattern's right, the fire will fall. If the pattern's right, the fire will show up. If your life is right, the fire will show up. If your life's in order, the fire will show up. How many are ready for the fire to fall? Or are, you, or are you just happy being like it was in the day of Jesus when Caiaphas, who was a false priest, who was not of the lineage of Aaron, who was a false priesthood with a false temple, with a false St. Hendron, with a church that just did religious activities and looked religious and looked pious, but when you got into the Holy of Holies, there was no fire and there was no glory of God that was to be seen. We know that because when Jesus showed up on the scene, God finally came and began to meet with men. That's why Jesus said, if you destroy this temple... I'll raise it up in three days. (laughs) What what he was saying, they thought he was talking about the the, the big temple. How many know we can be so naturally focused, we miss everything God wants to do in our lives spiritually? Lord, help us this morning. In Jesus' name. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to be giving you a lot of scripture. We're going to look at some scripture this morning, but I'm mostly going to give you scripture for sake of time. But 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 16, uh, here the apostle Paul calls us out and he says this, come out from among them and be ye separate. Do not touch what is unclean. In other words, there is a connection between God's work in your life and your ability to separate yourself unto God with personal holiness. What is Paul saying? Just as the old tabernacle and temple was to be a place that that, that, that the priest could not go into if he had touched or partaken in things that were unclean, so will God not show up in this temple if we partake in things in our life that are unclean. The priesthood had to separate themselves unto God. We have to separate ourselves unto God. Why? Because we want the presence of God to flow in our life. We want the temple to be full of the Holy Spirit. We want the temple to carry the presence of God. But if you're out touching unclean things, God won't show up in the temple. And you just be religious instead of be full of the power of God. I choose this morning to want to be full of the power of God and not play church, but be the church this morning. (laughs) Do I have a witness? Hallelujah. Be ye separate. I told you on Thursday that God even required Adam, not our Adam, but Adam in the garden to tend and to cultivate and to guard the garden. Sin was not even in the world, but God told him to tend to it. Why did he do that? Because what God wanted Adam to do was learn how to manage prosperity and manage God's goodness. In other words, to be responsible. In other words, he cultivated the garden. When the fruit would grow, he would cultivate it so that it would be able to produce more fruit. He protected it and tended to it so that when he tended that garden, he kept that garden in a way that it could produce the most fruit that was possible, even though he lived in a perfect world, if he did not touch that garden and left it like it was, then it would grow and overgrow and have overgrowth, and that overgrowth could affect the fruit. But God instructed Adam to tend to it. Why? 
Because God always going to give. How many know God don't like lazy people? <laughs> huh? Right there should tell you that from the beginning, God wasn't for socialism. <laughs> Adam didn't sit around eating bonbons, dipping, dipping his donut in sugar, whatever, <laughs> popping eclairs, walking around, petting the tigers, climbing the trees, running down to the crystal sea, and diving. No, God said, look, there's fruit in this garden, and you have got to manage the garden. And the Bible tells us that we have, what Jesus did for us was restore to us everything that Adam lost, which means that we have a garden. It's our spirit. And we're responsible even to tend to our very own garden, that we are to make sure that there's the right fruit coming out of our lives all the time by tending to it and cultivating it and guarding what's in it. The Bible says, out of the heart comes the issues of life that spring from it. In other words, Pastor Keith used to say, garbage in, garbage out. Is that not true? Good things in, good things out. And so we have a garden to tend. God gave Adam that responsibility. And then when the thorns and thistles came, it became a whole new covenant. It became a whole new thing. Now he's dealing with weeds and thorns. And so we, too, have to deal with the weeds. How many got some weeds and thorns around your life that you got to weed out every once in a while? Am I the only one that's got any thorns? Paul said, I had a thorn in the flesh. He got stuck. But we have to tend to our spiritual house. Now, as a priest, we're responsible for how this temple is taken care of. We're responsible for the spiritual condition of this house. And we talked about that God always falls on order. God always honors order. God always shows up. when Even when we obey New Testament principles of Scripture, God is faithful to show up when we obey those principles. When we obey godly principles, God will show up. It's the same thing. He has corporate principles. He has individual principles. I believe he gives us a pattern for the growth of the church in the New Testament. It's very simple. There are shepherds and there are sheep. <laughs> right? And how many know sheep begat sheep? I told him on Thursday, the responsibility of the shepherd is to feed the sheep. To make sure they're nourished. To make sure they're protected. That there ain't any wolves climbing over the wall. And when there is a wolf climbing over the wall, the shepherd and those whom God, the under-shepherds, are supposed to protect the sheep from the wolf. Now here's the funny thing about sheep. Sheep don't recognize wolves. Only shepherds do. That is a principle. And what happens is when the pastor sees a wolf and he begins to deal with a wolf, sheep get upset because they don't see the wolf, they see the sheep. <laughs> why is that pastor treating him that way? Why is he dealing with it? Why is he doing that? I'll tell you why. Because underneath there, there's something that's not right, and it's going to bring death into the sheepfold. And it's, I, listen, I stand before God for that. I do. I stand before God for what I allow to come into this house. I do. I will stand before God for that. I do. So when I tell you there's a wolf, I'm telling you there's a wolf. Lost my train of thought. Thought I saw a wolf, but I didn't. Sheep begat sheep. Sheep begat sheep. If sheep are nourished, if sheep are taken care of, if sheep are sheared, if sheep are disciplined, if sheep are kept in the fold, if sheep are watered and fed, sheep will beget sheep. I told you on Thursday night, it's scientifically proven in sheep. Now, I'm not a farmer. I don't know about other animals. But if you have cattle, if you have other, maybe you, I don't know, maybe it's a principle throughout the animal kingdom. I just know that in sheep, sheep only produce 
and they produce more when they're healthy. Healthy sheep produce healthy sheep. Healthy sheep want to procreate. Healthy sheep want to reproduce. But if a sheep's got a disease, he won't want to reproduce. There's something chemically that goes on in him if he is carrying a disease that keeps him from reproducing appropriately. Same way if he's sick. Same way if he's wounded. If he's been bitten by a wolf, that the, the, the chemical makeup of that sheep will tend to that wound and focus on that wound. And the truth is, if there's a sheep without a shepherd and he's bitten by a wolf, his focus will be on the womb and he won't be able to be a sheep. Why God gives you shepherds? So when you get bit by wolves, there's somebody there to help tend to that wound so that your life is not always focused on the wound and focused on being bitten, but your focus is on what God's got ahead and not what's happened behind. The shepherd will tend to the wound. The problem is we want to tend to our own wounds and we don't reproduce sheep. And so the sheepfold, there is a responsibility. Listen, sheep will become more, less blemish. Did you know the temple had its own sheepfold? The temple had its own sheepfold. It had its own shepherds. There were priests that were designated as just shepherds. And what they did was, and really, really they were designated that as discipline because none of the Levites or none of the, of the uh, priests wanted to be out in the sheepfold. Why? Because it was the lowest level of living there was in that society. A shepherd was considered unclean. A shepherd was considered the worst of the worst of society. Even the lawyers were thought about more than sheep, than shepherds at that time. And so the sheepfold, he protected the sheepfold. Now, what we have here, Peter said, we're a the Bible says we're a holy priesthood and offering sacrifices. Now, if you would turn to Leviticus chapter 7, verse 7, I want to talk about these sacrifices for just a moment. There were five Old Testament sacrifices that the priesthood was responsible for. There were five sacrifices that, were, that the priesthood was, was responsible for, and I'm going to give them to you real quick, and I'm going to talk about, there's one I'm going to focus on, and then, and then I'm going to hit it, and then we're going to pray for people. Not physically hit it, but hit it. <laughs> Leviticus chapter 1. Uh, well, go to Leviticus 7, but I'm going to give you the five sacrifices. Leviticus 1 is the sacrifice of the burnt offering. The priests were responsible for the sacrifice of the burnt offering. Leviticus 2 was the meal offering or the meat offering. Leviticus 3 was the peace offering. Leviticus 4 was the sin offering that the priest was, was responsible for. And Leviticus 5 and 6 was the trespass offering. And so the priest offered five offerings. I told you on Thursday that of the five offerings, two of them were compulsory or they were by law. Two of them were by law. The sin offering and the trespass offering were the two offerings that the priest had to offer by law. Everyone in Israel had to make a sin offering and trespass offering. If they did not make a sin offering or trespass offering, then they were considered, they would be considered uh, uh, segregated, cut off by God, and if they needed to make a sin offering or needed to make a trespass offering, they were not allowed to participate in any of the blessings of Israel until they made those offerings. They were cut off from God. Matter of fact, if there were those <coughs> that had trespassed and did not make that offering, they would set some of them out of the camp. And they would send them out of the camp and they would send them in tents away from the rest of their tribe or the rest of their people. The reason they did that was is because if they're unclean, and if they had not made that sacrifice and had sin in their life according to the law, then they would infect those whom they were around. They would cast them away from the people so that they could be until they were willing to make those offerings. Now the danger of that was when they would go out, they would send them into the desert, they would send them into the thing, that the only thing they had to worry about was the adder. Because many of them would be bitten by adders in the desert, and those adders would cause wounds and even deaths. Listen to me. 
you will see that as a believer or an unbeliever, if you've never come to Christ, you understand that you're on the outside of the church. And being on the outside, you're vulnerable to the adder. Are you hearing me? How many know Satan is, you're vulnerable to the bite of the enemy? How many know the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal, and to destroy? Now, he has perimeters. Satan just can't do whatever he wants. He, too, has to abide by the perimeters that God had given him. What did God say? God said, the rest of your life, you shall crawl on the dust of the earth on your belly. He was cursed. And so by that natural picture, he shall be down with the dust. What are we created out of? We are created out of the dust. And so Satan had parameters. But when we as believers, who are priests in God, when we did not obey, and when we needed to make a trespass offering, or when we needed to make a sin offering and we did not make it, we were cut off from God. And being cut off from God, you give the enemy permission to come into your life and to steal, kill, and destroy from you. The first question we should always ask when we're being attacked or something's being stolen, how is my relationship with God? But not everybody is suffering just because you, have a, you, you, you got sin in your life. That's not why suffering comes. Matter of fact, that is not why suffering comes. I'm just saying that if you're practicing sin in your life, you have opened yourself up for the enemy to come and attack you. And if you are on the outside in relationship with God, you can't call on the covenant promises. You can't call on the blood of Jesus if you've not applied the blood of Jesus to your life. Are you all with me this morning? I'm not trying to bore you. I'm trying to, I'm trying to move forward. And so there were three offerings that were voluntary. There were two offerings that were by law. There was, uh, uh, that were compulsory. Leviticus chapter 7 and verse 7 uh, tells us, as we begin to look at that, it begins to talk about the trespass offering and the sin offering and what is meant by that offering. Now what I want us to see this morning, really quickly, because I want to have time to pray. Better find Leviticus first. Chapter 7, verse 7. This is what the Bible says. It says, the trespass offering is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both. The priest who makes the atonement with it shall, be, shall have it. In other words, the priest, there's two offerings. They're both alike. And I'm not going to have time to take you back to where I did Thursday, but I showed the difference between the sin offering and the trespass offering. There's two differences. They're just alike, but there's one difference in them both. When the sin offering is offered, they have to come the same way. But when they come, the Bible says that the one who brings the lamb or brings the goat, when he comes to offer a sin offering, he, the sinner, the one who comes, lays hand on that offering and he slays that offering. He slays the sin. He slays, as a sin offering, he slays the, the goat. Now, in the trespass offering, it's the priest that comes and makes the offering. The priest brings the trespass offering, and that priest will bring that offering, and he will kill it. Now, you say, what's the difference, and how different are they? The sin offering, they come one time. That is offered one time, once and for all. One time, once and for all. So the sinner brings that offering. He sacrifices it. That blood is shed as a covering for him for the rest of his life and those who live in his household under a certain age. When the priest would bring a trespass offering, a trespass offering was for sin, but it was for the practice of sin or the trespass of sin that offering was made whenever there was a trespass made in someone's life. Now you're getting this. The sin offering was one time. How many know that Jesus went to the cross? That his death on the cross was sufficient for us. 
He didn't need to die two times, three times. We don't need another Savior. We've got one Savior who was shed for us all. His blood was sufficient, and no longer do we sacrifice bulls and goats anymore. Why? Because he was the supreme offering for our sin. Hallelujah. Now, here's the thing. Why did the sinner have to do the killing? Because the Bible says this in Romans 10, 9 and 10. If you will confess with your mouth, I said confess with your mouth and believe on your heart that God rose Christ from the dead, you shall be saved. Are you getting it? The sinner has to reach out and touch Calvary, and touch the cross. The sinner is the one that has to come and so that the blood of Jesus can be applied to his life. It doesn't automatically happen. I'm sorry for some of my friends who believe, and well, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to talk about nobody. You have to make the decision to come to Christ. You make the decision. Just because mama, daddy, granddaddy, I don't care if Billy Graham was your cousin. You've got to come to Jesus. You've got to reach out. You've got to touch Calvary. The question is, have you touched Calvary this morning? Have you reached out and touched Calvary? Have you allowed the blood of Jesus, of the sin offering, to be applied to your life? To become a priest in the kingdom of God, you must first be a sinner who brings his offering to the altar and make a sacrifice now that the blood has been applied. You now have become and stepped into the priesthood of Christ under the order of Melchizedek and Jesus, who is our great high priest in our life. And so you are part of the priesthood. And so we see the difference here. We saw the difference in the two offerings and the two sacrifices. Now here's what I want, where I want to get this morning, where I want to go, and where I didn't get a chance to go the other night. The trespass offering falls on the priesthood. There cannot be a trespass offering until there's a sin offering. The trespass offering is very interesting. And I want to show you, and I'm going to show you the New Testament principle behind that, but I want you to see that. I want you, in other words, the sinner took care of the sin offering. In other words, we, our sin, put Jesus on the cross. Our sin killed him. Just like that, that, that man would bring and sacrifice that lamb, he killed that lamb. We killed the lamb of God. By our sin, we put him on the cross. By our sin, we put him on the cross. And so now we're down to one mandatory offering. And so this is interesting because it is, is an offering that is associated with the priesthood and it's very important. If you don't make this offering, it stops the flow of the blessing of God. In the Old Testament, it would stop the flow of the blessing of God in their life. I'm here to tell you that if we don't learn how to deal with the trespass offering in the New Testament, we will stop the flow of God's presence flowing through our lives. That's how it's important, the priesthood in the New Testament. If we don't learn how to give sacrifices unto God, then we become clogged up. And the temple doesn't have the presence of God in it. And all we are is just, we, we have salvation, but we're not living to the fullness of what God is calling us because we're so full of everything else that the blessing of God can't honor it because we don't understand how to work through the trespass offering. And you say, well, what is it? Well, I'm getting ready to tell you. Of course, you were priest by birth through the blood of Jesus. You're a priest by inheritance. You're a priest by, you inherited the priesthood. And so, but even though you're a priest by birth through the blood of Jesus, and even though you come after Jesus in a royal line after birth, the priesthood still has to be learned. In other words, we have to learn how to walk in that priesthood. Now I'm going to say something that may shock you all at first, but it'll make sense in a minute. The truth is, even Jesus was not perfect. Jesus was sinless. Listen to me. The Bible said that when Jesus was 12 years old and he was in the temple, the Bible said that Jesus grew in stature and wisdom. 
By growing, it tells us that he had to mature, which means perfect in the scripture, means maturity. Jesus had to grow and mature. Jesus had to become the son of man just as he was the son of God. Jesus learned the priesthood. He learned it, and he grew in maturity. You say, well, I need more than that. The Bible said Jesus learned obedience through the things in which he suffered. He learned obedience through the things, which means he grew, which means he wasn't perfect, yet he was sinless. He never sinned. Jesus obeyed the law, never broke the law. He was a sin. He was sinless in his sacrifice. But Jesus grew and became the perfect man, the Christ man, the God man. That's why the Bible says that Jesus knows everything we go through because he himself had to walk through every temptation just like we walk through every temptation. Aren't you glad? That's why he's a great high priest because he walked through it all and was never sinless or gave in to it. Woo! Hallelujah. Stay with me. But you know what the scripture says? The scripture says this. It tells us that we are to offer sacrifices to God, but here's the difference. Not just any sacrifice. What's the scripture say? What's the scripture say? What kind of sacrifices? That were what? Acceptable by God. In other words, you just don't offer what you want. Well, that's all I got, God. Just take it or leave it. No, listen, listen, that's how we kind of live our Christian life sometimes. That's all I got. Take it or leave it, God. No, God says, you're going to bring a sacrifice, but it's not just going to be a sacrifice. It's got to be an acceptable sacrifice. Because the priest couldn't get away with bringing lambs and goats in and sacrificing them if they had blemishes or broken legs or broken necks or if they had blemishes on them. They're just bringing God the worst of their flock and they're keeping the best. Y'all hear what I'm <laughs> That's what we do. We bring the lame sacrifice. We bring the sacrifice that we don't care about. Oh, I'll give. Oh, my Lord. I won't give you the tithe, but I'll give you five bucks. I'll give you my lame five bucks, but I'm not going to give you total rulership over my life, which is the tithe. The unblemished lamb is the tithe, but the broken, lame down sacrifice is to give God whatever you want to give God. Okay. Ooh, ooh. Right? Why? Why does I, I use that as an example? But there's many things we do like that with. We do it with our time, with our talents, with other things. How many know? I said, how many knows as a priest, you're always to bring the best you have to the kingdom of God. Thank you, 20 people. I feel encouraged. Hallelujah. Priesthood. So when we come into the priesthood, we come into the priesthood as babes. We have to learn the priesthood. We have to learn what the priesthood is. Peter said we are to offer spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. We're a priest by birth. We're a priest, we're a priest by inheritance, but we're also a priest, and we have to learn the priesthood. Now I'm running out of time. I'm going to give you this real quick, and then I'm going to... Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it. Okay. Jesus, Jesus. Y'all get me off on stuff. The offering. All five sacrifices Jesus fulfilled in the New Testament. All five sacrifices that were required by the priest in the Old Testament, Jesus fulfilled in the New. I'm going to give them to you real quick if you're somebody who's got to have notes. All right? The burnt offering, Jesus fulfilled that in Matthew or Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. The meal offering was fulfilled by Jesus in John chapter 12, verse 24. And John chapter 6, verse 51. If I'm going too fast, you get the tape. Uh, the, the peace offering, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. The sin offering, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. Romans 8, 3. Hebrews 13, 11 through 12 is the sin offering. The trespass offering is 1 John 1, 9. Colossians 2, 13 and 14, and 2 Corinthians 5, 19. 
Now those are Jesus fulfilling in the New Testament all of the sacrificial offerings that were offered. Now what I want to do, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to bring this, kind of bring this home this morning, because here's what I want you to understand about the trespass offering. I want to talk about the trespass offering, and I will today, and then when we return, I will talk about it more. But in Matthew chapter 6, I want you to see something. Here we have the disciples came to Jesus, and this is what they said. In verse 9 of Matthew 6, it said, in this manner, therefore pray. The disciples wanted Jesus to teach him how to pray. Now, this is amazing. I love how Jesus takes the opportunity always to teach us deeper things. We don't always hear the deeper thing, but he's always trying to teach us deeper things. And so here in Matthew chapter 9, it, or ver, chapter 6, verse 9, it said, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's dominion. We talked about that. Verse 11, give us this day our daily bread. Look at verse 12 and 13. This is what I want you to see this morning. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thy, uh, deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. And everybody said, amen. Now, verse 12 says, forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. Some translations say, forgive our what? Our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Right? And here we have Jesus give us a model prayer. But in the middle of his prayer, he deals with the trespass and the New Testament principle of the trespass offering. Now, we usually stop there, but I want you to turn or look and look at verse 14 and 15 that follows the scripture. Look what it says. Verse 14, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Do you all hear that? If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Verse 15, but if you do not forgive men of their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your trespasses. Now this is powerful. This is powerful because what Jesus did is he, verse 14 and 15, he repeated what he said in verse 12. He repeated what he said. And if we are priests, now if you read this in the Amplified, do we have the Amplified Bible on our thing back there? If we have it, put it up for that scripture. We may not have it. But if you read this in the Amplified, it becomes even more, more defining. And so if we are priests, we are to bring a trespass offering. And by bringing the trespass offering, we keep open our lives. Is that it? No. And by bringing a trespass offering, we keep our lives, our temple clean, so that the presence of God can come into our temple. So the presence of God can come into the midst of our temple. And he can be there. Now, in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, the church at Corinth had to deal with a guy that was in sin. Don't know much about the guy. He just needed forgiveness. Paul was encouraging them to forgive the guy. In 2 Corinthians 2, in verse 7, it says that, that uh, uh, they, they would not let him come into the midst of them, and they were having trouble forgiving him even though he had repented for his sin. And Paul was encouraging them, and Paul was trying to tell them, look, listen, if he, for, if he asks for forgiveness, regardless of what he's done, you have to forgive him and restore him. But they didn't want to do that. They just wanted to keep him away. Now, how many know the purpose of the church is not to always expose people's sin? The purpose of the church is to bring restoration when people do sin. Okay. You're not in agreement with me? We just set them on fire out here? Huh? Just throw them out, throw them to the curb, give them no second chance? I'm here to tell you that Jesus said this in the New Testament. He said, you have to forgive those when they trespass against you, whether that be corporately or individually. If you want your sins forgiven, you've got to learn how to forgive. And I want to tell you, nothing will stop a church up more than being living in unforgiveness, unforgiving, not loving people that have sinned against them and not allowing them to be restored back to right relationship with God. 
Let me tell you, it'll clog your life up. It'll clog my life up. It'll clog the life of this church up. If you want the presence of God to flow through this house, we have to be a church that learns not only how to forgive one another, but learn how to bring restoration to those who have sinned. Okay, y'all with me? I hope so. Because look at the end. In other words, when you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2, you look at that passage If you go further down to verse 11, it gives us the key why that is important. Why do we have to forgive? Why do we have to forgive someone? 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Why do we forgive? Because what happens is, remember, he's cursed to his belly. Remember, he can only do what's in the parameters of what God allows him to do. When we're out away from God, the the adder can attack, right? And when trespass and there's sin in our lives and we don't make provision for it, what are we done? We're brought outside the camp where the serpent is, where the thief, the kill, steal, and destroy, right? What's it say in 2 Corinthians? Paul said, you've got to forgive him. Why? Because it's a less opportunity for Satan to get in and to destroy everything that God has built. Yo, you're hearing me this morning. Listen, I refuse, I hope you refuse, to not give any place to the devil. Right? I want to be a church like that. I want to be a church that understands trespass, that understands forgiveness, that understands what it's like to walk in the power of forgiveness. Pastor Adam, if you'll come. Listen, I help us, Jesus. In closing, turn to Matthew chapter 16. This is as far as I'm going to get this morning. But i got to bring this home. i got to bring this home. Let me just give you an overview. Let me just tell you real quickly, because I don't have time to just go all through Scripture and prove it to you this morning. We'll elaborate on it more later. But listen, you know what the trespass offering really is. The trespass, if you read those Scriptures of Jesus fulfilling the trespass offering in the New Testament... What, what those scriptures tell us is this. It's all about restoration, and it's all about relationship between brother and brother. That's what the trespass offering's about. It's about our relationship with one another. It's about sin in our life. It's about letting trespass in the New Testament not only had to deal with the relationship of brother to brother, but it also had to deal with the practice of sin. The sin offering dealt with the principle of sin. Jesus on the cross dealt with the principle of sin. How many know we've been forgiven and the blood's been applied to our life? The principle of sin is that sin is dead, but we are alive in Christ. When the resurrection comes, we will rise with him. Why? Because the principle of sin was dealt with. But the practice of sin still remains, and we have to deal with the practice of sin. As a priest, who brought the the trespass offering? The priest did. As a priest, we have to deal with the trespass offering in our life, which is the practice of sin in our life. We've got to bring sin to the altar and sacrifice it at that altar. We've got to make sure our relationships with our brothers and sisters are right. Why is that? Because the trespass offering is mandatory. In order for the presence of God to show up in the temple, the trespass offering had to be made. Our God would not show up. The rest of the offerings were sweet savor unto the Lord. They were voluntary. They were for those who wanted more and more of God. There are sacrificial offerings that you make in your life that is because you want more and more in God. You're here on Thursday night because you want more of God. You show up when when we have revivals because you want more of God. You pray because you want more of God. You you do this because you want more of God. Those are voluntary. But the trespass offering has to be dealt with. And when there's relationships broken among brethren, and when there's practice of sin in our life, God can't show up until that is dealt with. That is why in Jesus' day, the temple was not full of the glory of the Lord. You know why? Because the sin offering and the trespass offering was not dealt with. Until Jesus dealt with it. But Jesus had to deal with it right. You say, well, how was Jesus a priest when he was sacrificed? I'll tell you how. 
Because you remember at Jesus' trial? At Jesus' trial, when he stood there, Caiaphas, the high priest, the Bible said that he got up, and when Jesus said, I am the Son of God, what did Caiaphas do? The Bible said he stood up and rent his clothes. In Leviticus 6, the Bible says that if a priest rents his clothes, he disqualifies himself from the priesthood. Caiaphas disqualified himself when he rent his clothes. Guess what? There needed to be a sacrifice the next morning because that was the day of before Jesus' trial. Guess who was the sacrifice? Jesus was. Jesus was. And Caiaphas forded his priesthood, but Jesus stood right in and took a phony priesthood and became priest and king for us. Now we are kings and priests. What kind of temple do you have? What's in your temple? Is the presence of God there, or does there need to be a trespass offering made? What are you full of? Are you full of unforgiveness and rage and anger? Are you hurt from years before of someone who has hurt you and can't let it go? That's the trespass offering. You cannot go on with God until you deal with that. That's why our churches are so full of songs and so full of everything but the power of God. Why? Because the trespass offering remains in the pew and not at the altar. I don't know if that's even making sense to y'all. It does to me. Matthew chapter 16. I'll paraphrase it for time. Jesus says, who do men say that I am? What they say? Some say prophet, some say this, some say that. And then Peter gets bold and he steps up and he says, I say, you're Christ, the Son of God. Peter took a risk. Y'all know Peter was being trained for the priesthood. Peter was, was training to be a priest. Actually, he was training to be part of the St. Henry. You know how we know that? Because when Jesus went back to his trial, Peter was allowed back. You know why? Because he was a student of the law. He was being trained to be a priest. That's why he was allowed in. That's why the other disciples could not come in. He was allowed into that sacred area. He got to see Jesus standing before Caiaphas and Pilate. He said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Of the living God. And Jesus responds to him. In verse 18, he says, And I say unto you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And look what he says in verse 19. He says, I will give you the keys of the kingdom. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Now I want you to see something there. After the, the kingdom of heaven, after the word heaven there, there is a colon. In other words, that tells us in the translation that what follows is connected to what was just said. Look what it says. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Here's what that means. We talk about binding and loosing. Dr. Morocco's got a great book on binding and loosing. But let me tell you what that means. Binding and loosing, you have been given the keys of the kingdom of heaven to either unlock heaven or to lock heaven up. You can unlock heaven or unlock uh, lock heaven up. So what happens? When you make a trespass offering, when you've made a sin offering, when you made an offering as a priesthood of the believer, what begins to happen is you have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. On the principle of the Jesus Christ, who is the foundation on who we believe and who is our high priest. By your actions, you either open heaven or you close heaven. When you don't make the trespass offering, you lock heaven up and you bind that which is in heaven from coming into your life. But when you offer in the priesthood what the scripture tells us, you begin to unlock heaven. And now the blessing for that principle now comes on your life. 
Y'all hearing what I'm saying? When you're obedient to the scripture, you have keys in your hand. You have keys this morning. And the blessing of God is on your life based on the principles of how you have allowed this temple to remain under the lordship of Jesus Christ. If this temple is pure, you have the keys to unlock the blessing of God into your life. If you allow this temple to be defiled, you lock heaven up. You know how I know that's true? Because Jesus said this in Luke chapter 7 and verse 38. He said, he gave a prophetic word. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Y'all understand that a river can't be measured? It also means, it's plural. It means not just a river, rivers. In other words, streams of life will flow out of your body. It's Jesus' desire that you flow, that the river of God flows through your life. The river of God comes out, that there's many streams of the river of God. In other words, how many know truth sets you free? How many know the truth sets you free? And who the Son sets free is free indeed. You want to unlock heaven? Make the right sacrifice. You want to unlock heaven? Keep this temple pure. Stand with me this morning, if you would. Because here's what's going to happen. We're going to learn as a church how to make right sacrifices. And when we begin to make right sacrifices, out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water. <laughs> Woo! You hear what I'm saying this morning? Here's what I'm saying. I'm saying God wants to unlock heaven and pour out on us an outpouring of the river of God like we've never seen. But it's not just going to come from heaven. It's going to come out of you. It's going to come out of you when you make the right sacrifices in your life and your temple is right before God. What's stopping the flow of God in your life? What's stopping the flow? What trespasses stop the flow of God from moving in your life? Who have you not forgiven? Who have you not, who have you not forgiven? I mean, Leviticus chapter 5 talks about what happens to the one who refuses to make the trespass offering. You can read it later. Chapter 5, verse 16. He that doesn't make that trespass offering, he's cut off from the blessing of God. How's our heart this morning? How's our heart this morning? I'm telling you, this stirred me up because I believe God wants to let the river of God flow. This is a mandatory offering. This is not an act. This is, we got to offer our lives. Are you, are you ready to be a priest this morning? Are you ready to, to, to are you ready to step into the, Keep the temple clean. Are you ready to make sacrifices unto God? If you're here this morning and you want to make a trespass offering, you just want to say, God, I don't want anything clogging me up. I don't want anything keeping me from flowing. I want heaven to be unlocked in my life, and I want the rivers of God to flow. You want the river of God to flow in your life? And maybe you're here and you are locked up. Maybe you are. Maybe there is something in you that's keeping the river from flowing. Maybe there is forgiveness. you got to let them go right now. you got to let them go right now. I've had to deal with this several times in my life. Many times I've learned that when I get like that, I've got to go to the altar and give it to God. I'm telling you, it happens to me all the time. I have to protect my heart. I have to protect my heart from offense. I have to protect my heart from allowing trespasses to get into my heart. I have to make sure that when I sin against people that I go and make it right. Why? Because I want the flow of God in my heart. You don't need a preacher all clogged up up here. And Metamucil won't help it. Only the Holy Ghost will help it. Maybe you got unforgiveness. Maybe you've been hurt. Maybe you've not let somebody go. This is the day. Brain that, brain it here. Brain it, brain the trespass offering. Listen, it was the only offering where the individual had to bring the lamb to the sheep or to the, 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 uh, the priest. Because you know what happened? Here come, here come Johnny. He's got him, got him a goat. Yeah. 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 He's making a trespass offering. It's the only offering where they had to come and brain an offering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's the people standing. There goes Joe. He must have done something really bad. He's taking a trespass offering. 
Yeah, he can't forgive you. He's taking it to God. How many know it's better to be under the sacrifice of God than to be under your sacrifice? You know what your sacrifice is? It's always on your mind. It hurts you. It takes your time. It takes your money. It takes, your, it takes things from you. But if you give it to God and he sacrifices, how many know it's done once and for all? If that's you and you want to make a trespass offering this morning or you want to come and say, I don't want to be stuck up anymore. I want you to come, step out of where you are and just come down to this altar this morning. Thank you for joining us for River Valley Community Church's podcast. If you feel led to give, you can click on the donation link in the description or visit our website at rivervalleymadison.com. If you've enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share with your friends. Thanks again for listening. God bless you.